0: Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, a Driver Reach and FreightWaves production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of Driver Reach. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insight to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. This week, I'm really excited to be joined by a longtime friend and marketing expert, Chad Hendricks, president of Brand Outcomes and host of the first driver recruiting podcast, Recruit and Retain Trucking Edition. Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, Chad. How have you been? Pretty good. I mean that's an interesting question
1: to ask somebody how they've been and what kind of response. <laughs> I've been uh I've been changing that question to what's it like to be Jeremy these days? And it's interesting how you have different
0: responses you'll get from that. <laughs> so Well you're like, how have I been? Well let's see. I've so far I've lived through a pandemic. Yep. So that's always uh that's always a plus. I just got my first COVID vaccine last week, by the way. Um uh, silver lining and getting older, I guess. Right, you know, I'm able to get one before you. <laughs> that's right. You
1: either that, or you have some underlying health thing some, that's going on. So we won't we won't ask. And you
0: that. haven't had your shot yet?
1: No, not your, yet. Um, pretty much not everybody not in my okay. family that's older has um, received their vaccine. So. I figure I'm pretty good. They're all hanging out with me, but they're all vaccinated. So hopefully that <laughs> helps me a little bit. Well, we've
0: done uh, we've done a lot together over the years. Uh, we've parted on various webinars and eBooks and speaking arrangements. And today I'm looking forward to covering quite a bit. So we'll talk about how carriers can best position themselves and stand out amongst a sea of competition. Talk about your podcast and uh, the passion and inspiration behind it. Uh, I want to make sure we talk about uh, recruiter sales training that you put together with with Phil Jones, best-selling author of exactly what to say, CDL driver recruiting edition, and I also want to touch on the program you're involved with uh, that facilitates the hiring of international drivers, and of course, I'll also you know want to get your input on our deeper dive segment. So before we do all that though, that's a that's a, that's jamming a lot into thirty minutes here. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, before we do all that, uh, can you share a recent book you've read and that uh, that you might recommend? Oh
1: yes. Um... The book that I would recommend, and this is for leadership reasons, is called Voice of the Heart. This book, it deals with emotions. It talks about the good side of emotions. You know, when you think about anger, you're like, anger is bad and loneliness is bad and, and fear is bad and sadness and hurt and guilt and shame and all these things are bad. But it talks about the, the good side of those, the the benefit of those emotions, why we have those emotions. And I think it's important for business. I was just doing a training on the Radical Candor book which is about giving feedback. And there's the one category, you want to be someone who cares and they know that you care and that you're going to give direct feedback. And one of the things that she talks about is on the, on the caring scale, how much do you care? A lot of times when people say, you know, in their first jobs, I want you to be professional. How we interpret that is, leave your emotions at the door, be a robot. And what that ends up leading to potentially when you get into office politics and all that stuff is you go to less caring. And so to get higher on the caring scale, you have to have emotions involved. And so I just love the Voice of the Heart book. It's helped so much with myself, my current employees and what we've talked about. It's It's been so beneficial, you know, 2020 notwithstanding, I mean, pandemic, you know, of course emotions are high and everything. So that makes sense. But even outside of that, even in a normal year, you think about how much the employees and coworkers matter, and how their emotional well-being affects work. I think it's really a great book. So, Voice of the Heart is the book I'd recommend right now.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I love to read, as you might be able to tell from my backdrop here, and uh, and I haven't read that one yet. I, I have read Radical Candor, and I really like that. So, I really appreciate the uh, the suggestion, as I hope our our listeners do as well. Um, let's start with your company, Brand Outcomes. You, uh, you know, I love the name, by the way. Uh, I think it's pretty simple, right? That's what you do for your customers, right? You help them provide outcomes for their brand. So can you share uh, with everyone what Brand Outcomes does and how you're helping companies from a branding and marketing perspective to better recruit and retain drivers?
1: Yeah, where I want to actually start with is what we aren't, because this comes up a lot in conversations with carriers that have not been exposed to us before. Is they're almost expecting us to say, you know, this is the platform we use to find drivers, or this is the platform we are. And they're looking for another job board, another tool that's like, I can spend X amount of dollars per month and you're going to solve my problems. And that's not what we are at all really what we are is we actually become part of the team with carriers so we actually act as if we are a vp of marketing recruitment retention person on staff what that means is we show up at leadership meetings we get involved in a lot of things besides branding and marketing it's also company culture workplace changes operational changes training for dispatchers and recruiters and all these things and the reason why i think that's important is that I don't think you can get the marketing correct nowadays without understanding a company at a deeper level. And the reason is, is because most places when you look at their advertisement, it all looks the same. And so how can you differentiate? Well, I can't differentiate you if I have no idea who you really are. And so that's, that's how we operate is we are like part of the team working with you to figure this out. The other, the nice part about it too, is that we also work as like a third party but an unbiased party. So when we make recommendations, it's not saying like, Oh, you need to do everything that we do or the only things that you should do are what we do. We don't sell a specific product or service. Like that's it. That's going to solve your problems. We actually work with other vendors and partners and we recommend it because we see the gap or something that the carrier needs. So when we're recommending it, it's because there's a need. And I, and I will preface this. We don't get kickbacks. I don't, don't have any reseller agreements or anything like that. That is because we want to act as if we're an employee. And an employee also would not get kicked back. So that's how we're operating. And it, it gets involved in so many things that it, it, it's amazing to look at. We've done everything from simple like advertising agency type stuff, which is we need business cards, right? something small as that. All the way to like a high end of, hey, we want to get uh grilling and tailgate zone for our drivers that we can drive around and we took a shipping container put it on wheels cut it up one side comes down to this raised deck with tables and there's a smoker and grill on the back and a dartboard and there's a putting green on the top of this shipping container and they can pull that around and you know that's something that nobody's just gonna be like hey i got this product and this is gonna solve." but it was because they had a specific need so that's the level we get into it's like everything that you can think of and then everything that you haven't thought of yet that we're going to think of later uh, is what we get involved in. So for me, it's a lot of fun because nothing's off limits. And really, that's the case. Driver recruitment retention, everything in the end somehow affects the drivers. So nothing's off limits.
0: Right. Well, what, what got you interested uh, specifically focusing on the trucking industry?
1: <laughs> Pure luck. <laughs> I mean, when when the company started, there was a person that Shelly and her team had worked with previously at another carrier. She had gone to another carrier. She was going to leave to go into the, the drug testing side of things of in the industry. So she introduced to the president, did work for them, recruiting style. Well they happened to be owned by a parent company who owned multiple trucking companies. So then when you do a good job, you know, then you start doing work for the other places. And then really at some point what happened is we had a number of trucking companies in the portfolio. And I said, oh, we're pretty good at this. And then there was another person, another client that we had in, in the building products, because we we do a little bit outside of trucking as well. He's like, oh, I really want to be an industry expert. And I was like, oh, you should talk to this company they could get you a podcast. And you could be a podcast that could be your industry expert. He never ended up doing it. But then I was like, maybe we're pretty good at this trucking thing. Maybe we should do a podcast. Hence the first podcast you know for recruitment and retention and drivers so that's kind of how we got sucked into the trucking industry and since then it's been another eight the eight undertow. years yeah just you know it's <laughs> funny how many people talk about that when you talk in the industry they're like yeah i just came in the industry randomly like it was my first job or whatever it was or family a friend or whatever and then you just get sucked in and then you kind of end up loving it and you create this network of people that you consider industry co-workers or expertise but they also become some friends in there and so you just yeah you know, that's it's a common story that I hear all the time and I'm like well I, I'm no different
0: yeah no I'm in the same boat and I uh, I I share the same sentiment now when you first engage with a company is there any like first things that you recognize that they really need to address to have better outcomes is there low hanging fruit that you're able to help with right away ooh i mean there is low hanging
1: fruit but here's here's the part that I want to avoid There is not a three easy steps to improve driver retention. The things that I find that are the most important that need to be addressed, they're not necessarily hard as if it's hard to understand to do it, but it's about time and effort for a company. So really what I see first is that typically there is a lack of trust in the company, right? There's a lack of trust between the drivers to the company, drivers to recruiters. Oftentimes I even see lack of trust between the recruiters in the operations department, there is a lack of trust there. And I think this relates to how, how do you show that in your marketing to actually attract people? But then how do you have that, that trust, you build that culture of trust within the company so that you don't have the turnover that we have right now. And all that plays together. When you have less turnover, obviously it's a better place. You don't have people talking bad about you. There's referrals that come in, all these things. So, and I think a lot of people from a carrier standpoint, a lot of these leaders, they they grew up growing a trucking company out of pure tenacity, hard work, hustle, right? It might be going down to the next generation now. We see a lot of that. And that doesn't mean that they've studied how to to create an intentional workplace (laughs) of culture. You know, like they've they've been driving the trucks. When something needs to get done, they're willing to do it. And so it's just pure hard work. So usually the first thing that I really want to dive into is the values, the vision and mission of the company and really see if if they have one and is it true or is it just something that was made up at some point to put on the wall and then operationalizing those values how do you actually use those in the day to day and get your teammates to use those in the day to day it really it, it creates a framework it's it's like as if i if i slid you a blank piece of paper and i said draw me a picture you know your first question would be well what do i draw and if i say well draw me a a winter scene Right. You immediately come up with, oh, I'll do a snowman and maybe a Santa Claus and a house in the woods with the fireplace going, whatever it is. When you start to give a framework to your employees about how to operate and how they want to make decisions, they actually it comes really easy on what decisions they're going to make. They can instantly see like, well, that does fit with our our value of dependability or that does not fit with our value of dependability. And so it does create that framework. (laughs) <laughs> there's um one of the probably the best the other best part of this is most companies don't have a framework for feedback and that is a area where there's a lack of trust because we're never given a chance to give feedback and therefore nothing ever gets nothing gets improved because we don't even know it's a problem as leaders. It's really unfair. Like a lot of people will say, Oh, the president of the company doesn't do anything or the operations manager doesn't do and it's like they don't even know. They don't even know what the problems are because no one's telling them. And so giving that in this operationalizing values it really is a feedback process part of that and uh, there's just so many crazy stories that i've had i mean i've had employees on one side of the room talk about the other side of the room and be like oh they're horrible people blah 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 and it ended up being an equipment problem in the middle of this and and, you know my question's like well when did that problem happen and they're like oh like 10 years ago and like it's like they've been running around hating each other because of an equipment piece of problem but for 10 years because nobody gave an opportunity for feedback. so And it, it creates this whole process. It ends up creating this list of changes that are necessary to build trust. And what the, where the trust gets built in is it finally matches up where we say this is what we believe as a company, and these are the things that we've done to make sure that we're fitting that. And we're getting rid of the things that the employees or customers see that doesn't fit that. And so when you do that, that builds trust. And I think probably one of the best trucking examples I have is... There was a driver that was having issues with an op with the operations department complaint. That's not uncommon. but it was it was to the point where like they're like, we want the president to t- be in this meeting and the vice president to be in this meeting to talk to this driver and et cetera, et cetera. We were in the middle of doing the values discovery. And so the VP was like, how do I use this? I know we're in the middle of it, but how do I use this? And I say, well, go to your operations team, tell them these are the four values. These are the definitions of the values. So how would you explain to me if I was the driver, why we made those decisions based on our values? And they went through that exercise and then they said, okay, well, on Friday, when the driver comes in, you let me know, let's get in the meeting. Friday meeting never happened. And he's like, what happened? And on Monday, they're like, well, we talked to the driver. He's like, well, how did it go? <laughs> and they said, we just explained exactly how you said with the values. We said the reason we're making the decisions this way is because of this value of the company, and this is what it means, and this is what we did. And the reality is the driver, what is the driver going to argue against? He's going to argue against the values of the company. No, you can't do that. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of dependability. Like, he's not going to do it. So they, they literally addressed it with the driver, and the driver just said, okay, I understand. And that was it. <laughs> it was just this amazing thing of, so how do you teach your people? To operate in the same decision-making capacity that you would as a leader when you're not around. And it, all of this gives a really great fe- framework for feedback, what you need to change, how you want your employees. Yeah. And so that's it's it's my favorite process to go through with a company by far.
0: Now, before we segue into the podcast, uh, I do want to ask you, this might be a good opportunity to to segue into the uh, the deeper dive segment, uh, specifically uh, a question that we have. This is where we take questions from listeners who are seeking expert advice. The question is, how can we better leverage Facebook to attract the right types of drivers for our operation? Any any insight you can share there before we get into the uh, yeah. podcast?
1: I feel like there should be at this point, like a like a little music in the scene that says, dun, 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 deeper dive, <laughs> dun, you know, and then it lets me in there.
0: go to a different camera, different
1: camera angle. Yes, Um, to leverage Facebook. So what's been interesting about Facebook is they continue to regulate advertising. Now, they say it's to, you know, make sure that there's better, uh, you know, that the users want to see these ads and all this kind of stuff. But the reality is it makes it more expensive, uh, which means Facebook makes more money. So I, I kind of feel like that's the real reason for changing these all the time. But, for example, employment ads. Employment ads are regulated more. Like you used to be able to say, oh, I want this age group and this age bracket. But they said, well, that's that's now discriminating potentially on age or gender or whatever. So they don't allow you to do that as much anymore. So one of the things that's been really successful is creating ads that are not employment ads but create employment results. And so, you know, oftentimes these will get flagged. So you just know that when you do this in Facebook, you'll get flagged. You'll have to request a manual review from Facebook. Be like, this isn't really an employment ad. We're just congratulating our top 10 drivers on the amount of miles that they ran. You know, we're just congratulating our dispatcher on how much the drivers like them. And what ends up happening is you'll get these messages. So even in something that says like, for example, if there's one company, we wanted to prove that the bonuses were attainable. And so I asked them, I said, well, what percentage of your drivers hit the bonus last week? And they're like, well, it's 90% last week. I said, okay, what about the 10%? Why didn't those 10% get there? They're like, it's just because they either had days off. So they didn't hit the minimum miles or whatever it was. It was personal reasons. So it really wasn't operational related. It's like, yeah, okay. I understand you can never get to a hundred percent, but 90% is good. So we use that in the ad appreciation should be attainable because appreciation is one of their company values, by the way. So you use that in the ad. you know 90 percent of our drivers received their bonuses last week. Thanks so much to our drivers and dispatchers. That's all it is. And then what you end up getting is you get these responses from drivers. you know five four one three one essentially asking, do you hire out of the zip code? you know or like what are you what is your CPM whatever they start asking hiring related questions even though I didn't have an employment ad that said we're hiring. Um, And so it allowed my targeting to be a lot different than an employment ad. The only thing that I would say with this is you need to treat Facebook messages like a phone call. You have to respond like immediately. There's a reason why there's notifications in Facebook. You have to treat that like a phone call. Do not let that sit for eight hours, 24 hours, two weeks. I've seen it happen so often. Six days? Oh, my gosh. Please don't do that. You know, we're spending, you know, thousands of dollars a month on this. And it, it's the same as if it's if it's to get the phone to ring. So treat it that way. Um, and that those are my two suggestions is work on ads that aren't employment ads so you can target better, but will get employment results. And then make sure that your team is prepared to actually answer those questions. And the hard part with that is it's 24 hours a day. And so, yes, there is some leeway of when somebody messages at midnight that they might not get an answer right away. But 7 a.m., 8 a.m., you better be on. Um, and that includes Saturdays and Sundays.
0: So, you know, those are my suggestions. Yeah. Trucking's 24 <laughs> 7. It is. So, I do want to talk about your uh, podcast. I'm honored to have been a guest on uh, Recruit and Retain Trucking Edition a couple of times the past few years. Your podcast was an inspiration uh, to taking the higher road, as I recognize the hunger uh, that the industry has for it, for thought leadership and recruiting and retaining drivers. You know, when did you start your podcast and, and and what inspired you? Yeah, I mean, we're
1: over three years ago now, so it's a weekly podcast. So we're at episode, I don't know, 160 or 150 something. Uh, we're over three years and you know, really the inspiration is I was watch I was listening watching. I was listening to podcasts before that. You can watch this one we, by you, the way. This people one, can watch this watch one. But typically right when I started, like it was just listening to podcasts. And I right. was using podcasts a lot of times as almost like an encouragement model. Uh, I would find myself procrastinating on something and then I'd go listen to some Gary Vaynerchuk whose message is always about, you know, you got to hustle and work hard and get going, you know, and so I would use that as my motivator, like, okay, I got to get this this started, and so I really enjoyed podcasts. I, it became, for me, like, the learning opportunities were usually books. I loved reading books, and that was good, and then all of a sudden podcasts came in there, and you can search in the podcast, and there's, I don't know if there's a topic that's not covered, I, I don't know if it exists anymore. There's so many podcasts, so many in all these niche markets that anything that you really want to hear, you can probably find. And so knowing that it was, hey, this podcast could be a resource for all the recruiters out there. I don't see anything existing right now. This sounds like a great idea. How easy would it be is just to, you know, message people on LinkedIn and say, here's my podcast. Thought you'd be interested. You know, it was, that was the inspiration was just previous
0: podcasts and knowing that it's. That's a great way to, for learning to happen. How how can you can you point to anything that it's helped from a business perspective or how, or how has it helped?
1: <laughs> yeah, simply, I mean, the, the number one is the people that I've met because of it. Jeremy, I think you and I met because of the podcast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. So that's right. Everything that happened after then is is due to that podcast having happened. Um, you know, you mentioned Phil Jones, right? Met him, you know, we saw him at the R&R conference. And then I reached out and said, Hey, I have a podcast. I'd love to introduce you. And it was like, boom, easy. It was like, Oh my gosh, you mean I can, I can reach out to people that are authors and stuff and they'll respond to me and like actually want to be a guest. This is amazing. Like also to open up this whole new world to me. And then, you know, even the foreign driver stuff, Rob Peacock, the partner in that piece never would have met him without the podcast. There's never would have happened. And so that in itself has been worth every penny.
0: So you and I, you you referenced uh, Phil Jones. You and I both both met Phil, I think, at uh, at the same Nashville R&R conference. I think that's where we first uh, first met him. That was back in early 2018, I think. And and then the following year, you hosted an event with Phil in Indianapolis that led to the recruiter sales training program. Um, can you share a little bit about that program and how you and Phil collaborated on it? Yeah, it was amazing
1: because it was pretty easy to collaborate with Phil on it because we really did know collaboration. It was, Hey, Phil, I loved your message at R&R. I think this would be great. What if I put together a conference? And he's like, sure, that'd be great. Send me the check. <laughs> you know, like, that was, and the, the fun part about this is when we had, so we had 50, 50 some recruiters in that room and Phil. Now Phil's coming from a background, really, he doesn't have trucking experience, which oftentimes is perfect. I, I love bringing in people who don't know trucking because there are things that we can learn from other people that are not in the industry that you wouldn't think of because you get kind of caught in this trap sometimes. And so having him in this room with 50 recruiters, questioning him specifically on things that they get for complaints from uh, drivers, on things that they have to like counteract, and how do they set this up to be successful, and what things are they not thinking about that are shooting themselves in the foot – it was amazing how he could take his knowledge, and then once he's asked questions about trucking specifically, taking that and adapting that, and how it fit,
0: and it was just an, an
1: amazing training. I loved it.
0: Now, do you have any further plans associated with that? Yeah, I mean, going forward? yeah, we, we
1: so we videotaped the whole conference, and we split that up, and it's it's an online course right now. So that full it was a day and a half of training so two days Um, that's all online now it's all available from that so there is stuff that we're still doing like for example i think in april here i'm i'm one carrier we're going to do training for their eight recruiters and we're going to do it actually in the same time we're going to do two days We're gonna watch these videos together, be able to give feedback. I'm gonna be able to give that feedback as we're going. So it's gonna be as though we were at the conference because we're using the videos as that piece, but then we'll have that that extra interaction that's gonna happen as well. And I'm really planning on doing more of that. Even for our current carrier clients, what we're talking about doing is every year for our clients, these two days are for our clients. It'll be all the recruiters from all the carriers come to the same training so they can share knowledge too Um, but it'll be interesting because they're not from the same company, you know, they're different companies, different freight, different types of trucks, all this kind of stuff. So it'll be fun to continue to do those virtual events. And I'm going to keep doing those virtual two day events, um, as a way to promote that program and to get better training out there.
0: Yeah. I think there's a, there's a, there's a lack of it. There's a deficiency for sure. And it's a common theme that I'm, uh, you know, understanding as I, as I speak with more and more carriers, recruiters themselves and, and speaking of Phil Jones as well, you know, you were uh, quoted in the uh, CDL Driver Recruiting Edition of exactly what to say. Your quote was, uh, recruiting is a skill that can be learned uh, no matter how good you think you are. The information that Phil Jones shares in this book is absolutely priceless. Everyone I had, uh, everyone I know had multiple aha moments that are bound to change their success. Um, appreciate your 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 input on that and appreciate your involvement there. I think that uh, the more people who embrace recruiter sales as a concept and, and training, I think it's going to help them stand out, you know, especially when it's as challenging as it is. Um, one thing I do want to make sure just from a timing standpoint, I want to make sure we're able to, to get into the international drivers program. Cause that's something, you know, it, it seems to have been somewhat controversial last year. Uh, I know, the recruiting and hiring of, of international drivers, you know, obviously the concept there is to help offset the driver shortage challenges that we're faced with. And last year, you and, and Rob Peacock, the uh, South African businessman and uh, consultant, you know, joined me on a, on a driver reach webinar and to highlight the program Rob developed that, you know, brings South African uh, drivers with, you know, 10 plus years of experience uh, to the U S as permanent residents and, uh, and even gives them the opportunity for, for us citizenship. Um, but you know, it was something at a time where, if you know, if for some reason, some people have a hard time with that idea, and I and I, I want to make sure we touch on that. But I, even before we go there, maybe you know, how does the program work? Because you've seen a lot of success, uh, since middle of last well, year. Well, the demand
1: is that been, fair to say, yeah, the demand has been unbelievable, and I think you're it's because of the timing of everything. We're getting to this point. I don't I don't think if you would have looked three years ago, four years ago, five years ago with this, that the demand would have been the same. But I think at this point, I mean, I talk to carriers every single week. They're like, I don't know where I'm going to find drivers. And, and these are not just carriers that are 90% turnover, 100% turnover. I mean, I'm talking to carriers that are like 20% turnover. I have one carrier I'm working with in the foreign driver. They're 9% turnover. And they're having a hard time finding drivers, so to me that just shows that there's this this need that is out there, even for really good companies that are that are supposedly run pretty well. Otherwise, why is their turnover so low? It's really a good indication of that. And so, utilizing this, I think the the important pieces to point out here is this is a permanent, so it's an employer based visa, an EB three Echo Bravo three, and what that does is it gets a person their full green card which in itself isn't amazing when you talk to immigration people that have come over here previously to get a green card in that 12 to 14 month timeframe is amazing, but it's also bringing them in here permanently. So it's not temporary. They're not coming here just for a while and then going back home every winter and all that sort of stuff. And I think when we think about immigration, people have some visceral feelings around that because they're, they're thinking about illegal immigration. There's, you know, depending on where you stand on things, the whole border, you know, there's just this, visceral feeling that people have and what I like to do is talk about this in a way that says no let's just think about this as is it a good decision for the country is it a good decision for the carrier is it a good decision for the consumers and is it a good decision for the person that's coming here and i overwhelmingly feel that all of those are yeses you know when we talk about these drivers have at least 10 years of experience. A lot of them are like 17 years of experience driving, 20 years. So when we start to go down this route of, you know, is this going to cause safety issues or not? It's like, well, we we want brand new CDL drivers on the road too. So you're telling me you're not going to take somebody who has 15 years of driving experience? I mean, they're still coming over here and they're still going through a CDL program. I, we're making them go through the training just like anybody else would. You know, for five weeks, they're going through that training. They're, they have to test out of everything. People say sometimes, well, why would you do that? Why can't we speed it up and just, you know, X that out if they're experienced? And it's like, I'm just not willing. I'm not willing to give up on that safety argument to say that it's not worth it. Plus, when the drivers, drivers who have come through, there was a pilot program with Schneider in 2013, 2014. They really appreciated the training they got. They actually spoke very highly of it. They're like, oh, I thought I knew everything about trucking, and then this training was great. So there's no way I would give up on that. It also gives them that that transition period, you know, just to get in the States and, and do that stuff. But they they're also speak English. They're fluent in English. The training's there. The experience is there. When you think about the impact that trucking has on the country, we need to do something. Um, you know, technology at some point might be able to solve some of these issues and capacity issues. But that's not tomorrow. Um, So what are we going to do in the meantime even? And we don't know when that's going to happen. So I, I think it is perfect legal immigration that's getting people here permanently which means they're going to assimilate into the american culture they're having good paying jobs they're not going there's no welfare costs here there's no extra costs here and it's not that they're taking jobs away from America because we have to go through a process of proving that we're trying to hire citizens anyway even though we know every trucking company is hiring there's no jobs that are being taken away and the pay does have to it has to match the current drivers so what you're paying your drivers in the U.S. now, that's what these guys are getting paid. There's no undercutting of wages, nothing like that. So, it it really is just an amazing program in my mind, and the demand has been unbelievable.
0: Yeah, no. And now, how long does it take? I mean, is that what's the process like? If if I'm a carrier and I said, hey, I'm interested in giving this a shot, you know, and I want to start tomorrow, yeah. when am I able to bring someone over, get started, and 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 what does that even cost? I mean, give me an idea. Yeah. So it's it's a twelve to
1: fourteen month period right now for your first driver. The goal with everybody is that let's say you wanted 12 drivers a year. You're probably not going to bring them all at once, right? They're going to be over a time period. And so you, you have these groups of drivers coming over in batches of four. And so it takes 12 to 14 months for that first driver to get here, but then you kind of have this pipeline already built. So every two months you have more drivers coming or every three months or whatever, whatever time period you set that up with, you know, it could be every five weeks, you know, you're really... And busting it through there. So it takes 12 to 14 months the first time because you're dealing with your state war- workforce agencies, your Department of Labor, your USCIS, the Department of State. There's four government entities plus the South African government. There's a lot that gets done in there. Um, and really the Department of Labor is what takes probably the longest because they have to say, well, your prevailing wage determination, how much you have to pay as a minimum to these drivers is this. And that for some reason takes them months to do, even though I can go online and look at what their website says right now. <laughs> But it's it's to prove that you're not undercutting wages. And the reality is, is all the carriers right now have exceeded what the prevailing wage determination is from Department of Labor. So it hasn't been an issue. But from a cost standpoint, how we've changed this has been pretty amazing. So I think this is, the, this is the selling part that really created the demand, is originally in the pilot program, the carrier was paying all the costs up front. It was very difficult for a U.S. carrier, knowing U.S. turnover, amongst us drivers like we could say it was till we're blue in the face hey none of the drivers in the pilot program had turnover right there was like a few of them right but the percentage is less than five percent turnover you could say that till you're blue in the face but no one's gonna feel that right because well i know my turnover is 62 percent right now like that's what i'm expecting so to ask to spend you know twenty thousand dollars a driver well, it just <laughs> didn't feel good for people so because of our confidence in the vetting that we go through to on these drivers, we still put them through your recruiting process. You still interview them as well. And all of that, there's a lot of goes in there. And, and I will say Rob is, he's pretty hard on the driver's like. If they can't read instructions, if they do something wrong in his instructions, he's like, "Nope, I don't want you because you don't, you can't read instructions well enough. So I don't trust your English enough." Like, I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty harsh on this. Um, so you know that you're getting what he feels is the best of the best, somebody that can really communicate. And what that leads to is then them coming over being. So what we changed, we said we believe in our vetting process. We believe in this whole process, so we're gonna cover the upfront costs. And then you will pay once the driver arrives, you'll pay a weekly fee. And if that driver quits or you have to terminate that driver, the weekly fee stops. The whole idea with that is pay for retention. I really do believe that the industry, the recruitment industry as a whole has some flaws in that the goals for a lot of the recruitment people, technically financial incentive comes from turnover. You need me more if there's turnover. And also there's a limited pool of U.S. drivers. So I need some turnover so I have another lead to give to the next carrier. They're kind of incentivized for turnover. And so what I really want is I want our incentive to be the same as your incentive pay for retention. So my financial incentive is retention to keep that driver there. And so is yours. And now we're aligned on that. So, I mean, currently right now this can always change because government fees change. Like they just changed some of their fees uh, a couple months ago, but right now the cost is $137 a week. So if you know that you make a profit at 137 a week, well, then you're good. And that should take place, that that should replace some of your recruitment costs, right? It, when you look at the cost of turnover, that number's all over the place when people say it, but you know, the thousands of dollars that go into turnover and production and truck sitting and all that kind of stuff, you know, when you take that into consideration, chairs been like 137 for guaranteed profit, I know exactly what my ROI
0: is gonna be, I'm in. So that's what we've experienced thus far. Nice. Well, I'm excited to, uh, to to stay in touch and see how this evolves because i think it's uh it's becoming out of, as a necessity out of out of demand it's becoming a, a greater necessity um but thank you so much chad it's great to see you i appreciate you joining us today um i look forward to seeing you in person again soon I hope. <laughs> well you're getting your vaccine so get, so your get your uh, shot <laughs> it's, it's to great see to see you, you
1: jeremy i really appreciate it and uh We could talk for like another few hours. So for anybody who's listening to this podcast, just keep messaging Jeremy that you want Chad to come back on and talk about more of what I'm doing. Because there's a ton of unique things that we could talk about. I
0: guarantee you that. You need to have me on your podcast. We'll do that again. We'll do that again as well. And then we'll get into it. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Thanks for joining me for another round of the Taking the Higher Road podcast and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. Remember to follow along at driverreach.com slash podcast. Please submit any questions or comments, including those which may appear uh, in upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review the Taking the Higher Road podcast in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen. Until next time, thank you for Taking the Higher Road.